telling us that Jesus is coming soon. And before I get into this, we'll just read a passage from Matthew 24, a well-known passage where Jesus speaks about his return. And taking it up in verse 36, he says, But of that day and hour no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. As in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered the ark, and did not know until the flood came and took them all away. So also will be the coming of the Son of Man be. Then two men will be in the field, one will be taken, the other left. Two women will be grinding at the mill, one will be taken and the other left. Watch therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore you also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Son of Man is coming. Uh, probably the greatest intervention in human affairs since creation will be the second coming of Jesus. But right all the mess which humans have made of the planet, and he'll bring in his good new world order in which Jesus will reign on the earth for a thousand years and bring peace and justice to the world. Something to look forward to, especially as we see the darkness of this present world. And he says, the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. So the world outside will be not expecting it. But actually God wants you and me to be expecting it, to be ready. Be ready for the coming of the Lord. And as we see this happening, we see there's a kind of madness which is taking place in the world. And that madness, according to the Bible, is actually leading towards the coming of the one we call the Antichrist, or the Beast, and the coming of a time of great tribulation. Some stage in this, the rapture of the church will happen, and the believers in Jesus will be taken up to be with the Lord. But we're going to see, whatever the timing of the rapture, we're going to see the push of the world towards the time of the Antichrist, and the world being plagued by what you might call the spirit of madness, which would actually endanger, endanger the whole fabric of society. Passage in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 25, verse 30, says, Thus says the Lord God of Israel to me, Take this wine cup of fury from my hand and cause all nations to whom I send you to drink it. They will drink and stagger and go mad because of the sword that I will send among them. Then I took the cup from the Lord's hand and made all the nations drink to whom the Lord has sent me. Therefore you shall say to them, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Drink, be drunk, and vomit, fall, and rise no more, because of the sword which I will send among you. And it shall be, if they refuse to take the cup from your hand to drink, then you shall say to them, Thus says the Lord of hosts, You shall certainly drink. A passage implies that God's allowing a spirit of drunkenness, of madness, to come upon the world as they reject Jesus. Uh, they'll vomit and go mad, bringing a sword, bringing death and destruction to the world system in the last days. And talks like this kind of illustrate that this is happening. Uh, it's happening now, it's on its way now. And where this spirit of madness goes, then people will have no light of the Lord. Isaiah speaks about the people living in gross spiritual darkness. Behold, the nations shall be in great darkness, spiritual darkness. Uh, they have no light of the Lord. They won't have the Holy Spirit. And it will lead to the final Babylon world system, which is dominated by the Antichrist and ruled by the beast, which will be utterly destroyed at the second coming of Jesus. Second coming of Jesus to the earth. This passage from 
Revelation actually speaks of the fall of Babylon, the last event to take place in the Great Tribulation section of the book of Revelation. It says, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen, has become a dwelling place of demons, prison for every foul spirit, and a cage for every unclean and hated bird. All nations have drunk the wine of the wrath of her fornication. The kings of the earth have committed fornication with her, and the merchants of the earth have become rich through the abundance of her luxury. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, lest you share in her sins, and lest you receive of her plagues. For her sins have reached to heaven, and God has remembered her iniquities. Render to her just as she has rendered to you. Repay her double according to her works in the cup which we has mixed double for her. In the measure she has glorified herself and lived luxuriously, in the same measure give her torment and sorrow. For she says in her heart, I sit as a queen and am no widow and will not see sorrow. Therefore her plagues will come on her and come in one day. Death and mourning and famine shall be utterly burned with fire for strong is the Lord God who judges her. Uh, speaking here about another cup, cup of Babylon, every foul spirit being manifested in this spirit of Babylon. And as a result of this, God is going to bring judgment upon the present world system. Now, it's a very solemn subject, but it's there in the Bible. And you can see God has reason. When you look at what's happening in the world today, bring judgment upon the world which is going so much in rebellion against him. The question then is, how can we cope with living in such a world? What are we supposed to do? Well, instead of the cup of madness and judgment, we must drink from the cup of salvation. Psalm 116, it says, I will take up the cup of salvation and will call on the name of the Lord. There's an alternative cup which we can drink from, and that's the cup of salvation as we call on the name of Jesus and receive from him his Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit bears witness to Jesus, Yeshua, Jesus the Messiah. Uh, Paul, writing to Timothy, said, Therefore I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So you see the spirit of madness going out in the world. God wants to give you spirit of, of love, of power and love, and of a sound mind. And that's available. And because of that, we don't need to fear what's taking place in the world around us. We can overcome it. And God wants to stir up that gift which is in us by the Holy Spirit and to resist the spirit of the world uh, by the power of the Lord Jesus. And we know that our times are in his hands. And he says, actually, that nothing can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. He tells us also to let him transform our minds. As Paul wrote in Romans 12, he says, Therefore, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So there's an alternative to us, and God wants us to drink of that cup of salvation, to allow our minds to be renewed by the Holy Spirit, and to have that understanding which is acceptable to God, and our service to him which is reasonable, and not to be conformed to this world, to come out of the present world system, come out of Babylon, recognize it what it is, Antichrist, and to join with Jesus Christ. If we do this, there's a cost to pay because we're going against the flow and against the majority. But it's worth it because we're drinking from the cup of salvation through faith in Jesus.
And ultimately, we know that Babylon's going to fall, as we've just read. So if you're drinking from the cup of Babylon, you're on the losing side on the cup that's going to lead you to destruction. But if you drink from the cup of salvation, on the side of deliverance for those who choose to follow Jesus Christ. And I guess you're all followers of Jesus, aren't you? But there are plenty of people out there who are not. And we need to get the message out to them so that they can follow Jesus and be ready for the coming of the Lord. Now, I want to give a few illustrations of this kind of spirit of madness. Uh, One of the things I've noticed in the papers recently is a whole lot of articles from people saying nothing works. Things just don't work in our society anymore. You notice that? Uh, Here's one from Sarah Vine. It says, basket case Britain is starting to feel like a third world country where nothing works. And it's because so few seem to want to put any effort in anymore. Speaks about all sorts of examples, strikes, people working from home, all the problems which we had with the airlines and the flights being cancelled last week. Uh, Doctors on strike, railways on strike, university staff on strike, students already being given their degrees and exams being unmarked. I read an article the other day about a Cambridge student who came out with a 28,000 bill from university and no degree because uh, they hadn't managed to mark our papers and because they're on strike. Just an example of the fact that society just doesn't seem to work. And you either you're working from home or you can be working from the beach. Well, <laughs> councils allow people to work from the beach. <laughs> it's there in the papers. Crazy. And as this is happening, you're seeing, again, things just don't work, falling apart. The latest news we've had is that Birmingham uh, Council is bankrupt. It's got no services beyond the basics supplied by the council. And it's not the only one. There are other councils which are now bankrupt and ready to be. Everyone blames the crisis on government cuts, but uh, the report I read said that the council suffered from years of personality-driven factionalism. The existing culture and processes have contributed to a dysfunctional climate. Nothing works. People don't do their jobs. People don't work anymore. It's a situation which is all around us. They've had a huge bill which they can't play, pay over an equal pay dispute. The case of Birmingham was actually quite interesting because if you may remember, or maybe you don't, a year ago the Commonwealth Games were held in Birmingham. Anyone remember that? And it had an introductory, an a opening ceremony, which was, quote, a celebration of the diversity religion that dominates our land, in which every culture and religion is affirmed except ours. According to the independent newspaper, the opening ceremony was a love letter to Birmingham, which also contained a message condemning anti-gay laws in the Commonwealth countries. The Ahanda correspondent to Prophecy Today said, after watching the event, I couldn't believe what I was seeing. I'm still grieving over the occult obeisance demonstrated at this travesty. Fold actually bringing this great bull which represented uh, Birmingham's bull ring, apparently. But as they brought it in, there was a uh, strange ritual with fire and ritual dancing taking place. Uh, the obscene, smoke-breathing, ferocious iron bull with devilish, devilish crimson eyes was issuing fire to whom all the dancers bowed in worship. 
In the process of the thing, they uh, had a cross-dressing singer suspended from heaven, from the heavens, sounding like some demigod. Also, there was a mention of the Holy Quran to draw in recognition of the spiritual adherences of different cultural attendees, but no mention of Jesus Christ and the one true God, which has been Birmingham's Christian heritage for centuries. And the centerpiece was this bull, which was uh, representing Birmingham's Bullring, which is a major shopping center. The creature was named the Raging Bull. It appeared at the end of the ceremony with a giant mechanical bull with glowing red eyes. Beginning it was in distress and a danger to all around it. Character known as Stella calmed the creature down and then all of the human performers gathered around the bull and literally began to bow down and worship it. Music from the satanic rock group Black Sabbath was being played as the colossal beast was brought out. Initially the bill was raging and dangerous, but a woman called Stella stood before it. She then led the cast in calming it down and turning it into a symbol of love and light. Uh, Stella actually means star, and she was described as being a star fallen from heaven. Heard about that one before. Then all the human forms gathered around the bull and literally started bowing down to it. After the bull was calmed down, at one point, the woman was lifted up to ride on top of the bull. The woman rides the beast. Was that a good sort of ceremony to open up the uh, Commonwealth Games? Interesting, that was a year ago, a year later, Birmingham Council, which supplied the money to do this, is now bankrupt. Nothing works, but it's the judgment of God. And you can see that in our society all around us. Latest thing is this Rex, uh, I don't know if that's how you pronounce it, the concrete scandal. Now, thinking about this, it's the kind of picture of our society. It's got concrete with holes in it, which doesn't hold up the roof. Then the roof is going to fall down on the people underneath it, in this case, particularly school children. So they have to close down the schools. Now, in buildings right across the country, I thought about this, it's a figurative, if you like, of a picture of the roof falling in. The roof falling in on the education system and the structures which held society together have been hollowed out and are now in danger of falling apart. So you've got the holes in the concrete. In fact, I think rather than concrete with holes in it, in the spiritual sense, we've got holes with bits of concrete trying to hold it together. And what it represents to me is the collapse of the beliefs and in our society with figurative the roof falling in and if you think about education in education you've got children who've been subjected to a educational system which has removed God from the picture and has added all kinds of things which are anti-God and anti-Christ in fact generally you've got a wholesale rejection of Christianity and the culture and history of our society and its replacement with something which is distinctly anti-Christian and now the roof's falling in. Can you see a connection between those two things? I think so. Everything which comes from Christianity, from God, speaks to you about God, the devil, good and evil, motivation to do good rather than evil, ideas of accountability before God, heaven and hell, those things have been removed. What they're replaced with? Evolution, the idea there's no creator, Ultimately, that means there's no meaning for existence. There's no basis for commandments and laws. Multi-faith, no one way to God, 
Just go through any religion you like or no religion, including yoga, anti-Christian ideas as well, leading to the occult. Uh, you bring in Harry Potter, all kinds of influences which are actually occultic. Other religions, particularly Islam. And you have Marxism and humanism, which has led to the diversity agenda, pushing the LGBT agenda, which leads to the great deceptions which we have in our society today. Can you see that as a picture of our society? It's been hollowed out, and now the roof's falling in, and the, the, uh, the foundations are collapsing. And it's bringing judgment, and it's part of the madness. Then you come on to the NHS. Now, I've just had a little bout with the NHS. <laughs> have to say that my treatment at the Royal Free Hospital was good. <laughs> I have no complaints. They did well, the job well. Just one little incident which was kind of, I suppose, almost funny, but not funny. I had to sign a consent form before I had my treatment of radiotherapy. They asked me all sorts of questions. And the last question they asked me was, are you pregnant? <laughs> I said, the question is ridiculous. I'm a 76-year-old man about to have treatment which has only happened to men. How could I be pregnant? The lady says, well, I have to ask it. It's in the rules. Well, perhaps I could have been a transgender woman who was uh, thinking I'm a man, but uh, even so, if so, I wouldn't be having prostate treatment. But it's part of the madness, and it's there in the system. We now have Great Osman Street telling, uh, telling the staff there that they mustn't refer to the children as boys and girls or mothers and fathers. So you've got to remove gender from the whole thing. And you have this article which was written by a doctor, Professor Angus Mauglish, saying this finger-wagging wokery is stopping us doctors from doing our jobs. In the article, he describes how doctors have to go through a regular diversity training course, which lasts perhaps for three days, in which they're subjected to all kinds of uh, teaching about which pronouns they must use to people and warnings that if they don't, they may be censored. Even there is some kind of system in place so that uh, patients may be asked randomly if they were given the right pronouns when they were asked for it. And the doctor says they have to go through this treatment, this uh, agenda, and at the end they have to do some kind of a response to it. And if they fail, they may be uh, penalized. Now, this particular doctor says he's reaching retirement age. He's still quite active and quite fit, but he says, I'm not going to carry on even though I could, because I can't cope with all this nonsense which is being forced upon us. Also, the people who are doing this, this diversity training, are earning colossal salaries, uh, perhaps much more than the doctors, and are actually in the process ruining the NHS, stopping people from doing their jobs. It's the spirit of madness. What about the schools? You have indoctrination of LGBT now in schools and youth. This is a picture of a drag queen artist who was brought into a school in Brecon. Um, he's known as Sam, Samuel 28, and his program is Ada HD's Drag Queen Story Hour. Uh, one of his posts on his Twitter post jokes, quote, had a fabulous interview about how I've successfully been made turning children gay possible. The answer is my gay books. Other posts include Mr. Samuel joking about an orgy and pointing to a man's naked bottom and saying love has no age. 
That's what they're bringing into schools. Can you believe it? It's part of the madness. It's part of the judgment of God, which is coming upon the world because of its collapse of moral values. And it's an insanity which is taking over Western nations as they abandon Christian moral values. Not just here, of course. It's also happening in Europe, in America, France. We've had situations in which uh, cities are falling apart with mass riots and destruction last month. Uh, Marseille, which is France's second city uh, and biggest port, is depicted as a European version of Chicago in the Prohibition times with gang warfare, shootings, protest strikes by police, and tension among communities, routine features of daily life. A uh, description of major towns in France, which are called zones urbaines sensibles, which means sensitive urban areas, which are urban areas where become zones where the police don't venture in and Muslims and drug gangs rule. Uh, Macron has talked about a loss of authority, vows to take personal measures, but it's not quite clear where he's going to get this authority from. And it reminds us that there is a crisis of authority in our, in our nations. Where do you get authority from? Uh, you get authority and obedience to governments if there is a kind of shared agreement on certain values and certain uh, enforcement of rules and laws. If that's taken away, then you have no authority. It says uh, in the article which is describing this, it says authority emanates from the continuity of rules and mores, the accumulation of culture, including religious heritage that transcends here and now considerations. But now we have no commonly shared authority, culture, or religion. It's all being demolished in the Western world. You've got the critical race theory, which everything wrong is to do with white racism and slavery, and therefore everything to do with that has to be removed from uh, our society. You've got the whole LGBT imposition upon us, you've got multi-faith, you've got Islam, yoga, coming to replace Christianity. All these things removing what is the past and giving something new which actually doesn't work. And none of this works. It all leads to chaos and confusion. You have the radical Muslims and the radical left trying to exploit this to make radical changes in society. You have a reaction then from the right. National Front in France, in United States, Trump and the MAGA make America great supporters, wanting to crack down on immigration and assert law and order. They do that then and you have more riots and disorder. And then you have the left encouraging victim culture which leads to growing anarchy and disorder. Nothing works. It's the same in here, it's the same more so in France and also growing in America. Uh, one of the things which I've been reading about in America is the situation in large numbers of cities, particularly the West Coast cities, Los Angeles, San Francisco, uh, Portland, Oregon, and uh, also Chicago, New York, as basically being taken over by the homeless, druggies, and a breakdown of law and order. Uh, major stores are closing down in cities like San Francisco and Chicago as goods are routinely stolen by armed gangs and no one can stop them, and therefore it's not worth them even opening up again. So basically you have a situation in which businesses and people are fleeing and a growing financial crisis. Homelessness, personal debt, housing becoming unaffordable, homelessness increasing, and potential of an election next year between Trump and Biden, uh, which could make things even worse. America is not in a good state. 
nor are any of us. Now, against this, you've got an attempt to try to bring the world together. We've got our new world order plan, but there's not the only one. One of the things which uh, happened this week, actually, is the G20. Now, I haven't had time to accumulate what's happened on G20, so I won't be saying anything about it now. But we have seen in a month ago the BRICS conference, which brought together all these jolly people. Uh, Brazil, Russia, India, China, South Africa. They held a conference in summit in Johannesburg. And they're actually pushing for an alternative world order program to replace the G7, the, United, the EU, NATO, etc., and the US-based one. They want to get on board countries from Africa, South America, and Asia. They've just recruited uh, Saudi Arabia, Iran, Ethiopia, United Arab Emirates, Argentina, as Egypt as part of the expanded collective. And there are dozens of countries that have expressed interest in joining the BRICS. They claim that it's anti-colonial, anti-Western uh, you know, exploitation of Africa, but actually China and Russia are doing big-time exploitation of especially Africa. But never mind. China's making an offer to boost the countries of the South through its Shanghai Development Country Bank. Putin addressed the conference and spoke about the needs to meet the needs of the, this part of the world community, the so-called Global South. He said Russia, China, India, Brazil and South Africa are becoming the new economic world leaders. Their cumulative share of the global GDP has reached 26%. He also said that the US dollar was losing its global role in the objective and irreversible process so de-dollarization is gaining momentum, adding that members of the group of the major emerging economies are seeking to reduce their reliance on the dollar in mutual transactions. Now, that might not seem very interesting to you, but it's actually very significant because the real name of the game here is actually <coughs> to successfully bring about the end of the dollar as the world's reserve currency, which would cause then the economic collapse of the United States. Uh, come back to that one in a moment. The other country which is heavily involved in this now is India, which is emerging as a global leader. India is emerging, uh, making a pitch for the lead global leadership via the BRICS. Also, it did just hold the G20 meeting. But the Indian Prime Minister Modi, he said that India will be the growth engine of the world, economic reforms, working on green technology items. Today, among all the countries of the world, India is the country that with the highest digital transaction. With use of technology, we've taken a leap in financial inclusion. Today, UPI, which means Unified Payments Interface, is being used by street vendors to those shopping malls. We're actively taking steps to make India a manufacturing hub in areas of solar energy, wind energy, electric vehicles, and green hydrogen. Now, if you follow that, the interesting things about the UPIs and the, uh, basically what they're talking about is a cashless society. Uh, everybody has been put onto this, what they call the Aadhaar, which is an internet program. Here's an internet ad telling you to update your Aadhaar unique ID number for continued accuracy of demographic information. But it also is the thing which gets you into the economic system. So you have to make this, get into the system, put your identity onto the uh, Aadhaar system, and then you're able to get the uh, 
code which you can use to buy and sell. And here's a street vendor in India using the unified payment interface, which doesn't need cash. So you've got India on the front run towards the cashless society. Uh, interestingly, Rishi Sunak's wife's family is big in developing this system. So you've got a connection there with Britain as well. Same time, Britain, Brazil, and China called for the adoption of a common currency for trade between the countries of this group. China's interested in making its currency or another currency an alternative to the dollar. So getting rid of the dollar is part of the game. If that happens, it would lead to the collapse of America. Uh, one of the problems is for America is that America is actually the world's reserve currency, and also it has a near monopoly on the sale of oil from the Middle East. If you want to buy oil, you have to convert your currency into the dollar, and then you can buy and sell oil in the Middle East. Uh, it gives an enormous demand for American dollars, and this is sort of maintained by U.S. military power. Now, if America used, loses this, which is what China and, and Russia are actually working on, they're organizing an alliance for the process of, purpose of doing international trade in currency other than the US dollar. And you notice one of the countries which they got, they got involved in the BRICS campaign is Saudi Arabia. They've got to bring Saudi Arabia into this, which would be a major change in the whole setup. Uh, if this happens, then the BRICS control would control more than half the world's oil production. They would then change the US dollar. World demand for the dollar would collapse along with the value of the dollar. In which case, if the dollar falls by up to possibly 80% in value, uh, prices in America would increase astronomically, including gas, petrol, uh, increased by 500%, which would probably require martial law in America and the government would fall. So this is one of the possibilities. So you've got a sudden fall of Babylon in America. Now, it might not happen because actually Russia and China are in a bad state as well, <laughs> economically. So it's not all going their way. And although Russia and China make these big agreements, they're both sort of collapsing in ideology. Basically, Russia doesn't believe in anything anymore. They've had communism, communism fall, falls. Only thing which motivates Russia now is its sort of lustful power and kind of Russian nationalism, which is backing what is basically a gangster regime under Mr. Putin, and which is totally corrupt. Got uh, a corrupt elite who plunder the nation, and most of the intelligent people have quit Russia for the West, uh, and basically the country is in a bad state. Russia has also invaded Ukraine, saying it's trying to save it from the Nazis, but in the process it's behaving like total Nazis. Uh, interestingly, the man who uh, was Prigozhin's second in command, a man called Dmitry Utkin, was killed in the plane crash the other day. He is a noted Nazi. He's got admiration for Hitler and Nazism in his program. Why do they call it the Wagner Group? Well, Wagner was Hitler's favorite musician. And there's a connection there. So Russia is trying to save Ukraine from the Nazis, but behaving like Nazis, also with a basis from the Russian Orthodox Church, which is justifying it all. Meanwhile, in Russia, nothing works. They've had soldiers going to war with no weapons, no boots, no uniforms, 
while the elite have siphoned off the money which was allocated to themselves. For themselves, the ruble is losing its value, prices are going up, there's a huge problem of alcoholism, the highest rate of abortion in the world, the Russian population is shrinking and being taken over increasingly by Muslims from Central Asia who are moving into the cities and taking the jobs. Uh, Muslims from Asian regions are having babies while Russians are not. Uh, and Russian nationalists fear an Islamic replacement of Russian people, culture, and religion in Russian cities. So not all going well in Russia, apart from the war. Uh, and the West is actually worried that if Russia loses the war, either it starts a nuclear confrontation with the West or it falls apart into different regions, all with nukes in their territory, and Russia has to do something to stop this from happening. But Russia itself aspiring to global leadership, but actually falling apart. What about China? Now, there's China. There's the uh, Chinese Communist Party with its hammer and sickle, symbol of communism. Uh, in the days of Chairman Mao, China was definitely a heavily communist country with heavily communist ideology. Those around may remember Mao and his little red book. Now, really, it has no connection with communism ideologically at all. It's a fairly ruthless uh, capitalist state with a centralized police state and high-tech surveillance over a capitalist economic system which is engaged in worldwide imperialist attempt to dominate the world, exploiting Africa. But China, too, is now exposed to an economic crisis. Housing situation has got bankruptcy. Huge housing companies, you know, the Evergate Group and Country Gardens. Here's one of their buildings which they put up. Uh, now nobody wants to live there and they're about to pull them down. They've lost billions in the process. And there's a total bankruptcy in the Chinese property market, which is now affecting much of the economy. According to the Epoch Times, which is very anti Chinese communist, it said the property market crisis, the banking crisis, China's local debt population, when all these risks come together, the Chinese economy's issues can't be resolved in the short term. The recession may last for a decade or two or even 30 years. Said he believes the Communist Party is not, will, not able to survive this crisis. So it's not all great in China, like what they might t try to tell you. So what are they going to do? They could also go to war with Taiwan, of course. They'd be pushed into Taiwan to get away from this. In which case they could bring Russia, USA into the conflict. Here's the Chinese strike force, can't see it very well, gathering around Taiwan. Been numerous Chinese air and naval provocations near the embattled island. How much is talk is real, I don't know. We didn't know whether Russia was really going to go ahead with it. Uh, there's strong reasons why they might not, but if they do, it could bring in America into a conflict over Taiwan. Uh, Xi is also counting on support from Russia and from North Korea. Held recent uh, drills between the Russian and Chinese navies close to Alaska in an extremely provocative exercise, tending to show Moscow that, uh, show that Moscow would fight with China against America over Taiwan. Uh, Xi Jinping, Vladimir Putin, and Kim Jong-un all see the world in the same terms. They realize that none of them will accomplish their goals unless they get the United States out of the way. North Korea is now coming to the, Russia's aid in supplying ammunition for the Ukraine war. 
So you want a coming together of these particularly nasty gentlemen in a sort of anti-US coalition. And both, all of them are, of course, heavily involved with nuclear weapons, trying to, threatening the use of nuclear weapons to keep anyone from defending their intended victims. Now, at the same time, the possibility of an invasion of Taiwan has huge risks for China. One is that Taiwan has missile power itself, which could be used against China, could hit the Taiwan Straits. And the other possibility, which I read about, is that they could fire missiles at this place, which is the China's Three Gorges Dam. What's China's Three Gorges Dam? It's on the Yangtze River, one of the largest dams, I think the largest dam in the world, a huge amount of water behind it. Uh, speculation that Taiwan actually may have enough firepower to hit that and to knock it out. If they did so, then the whole of the region beyond that would be flooded, including the city of Wuhan, of COVID fame, Shanghai, most of China's agricultural region, and possibility of about 200 million deaths. If that happened, then probably China would nuke Taiwan. Now, pray God that doesn't happen. But it's one of the possibilities, one of the things which show us also that the world is in a crazy state with all kinds of crazy people armed with missiles of mass destruction. And we just pray that it will hold back and it won't come to anything. But all these questions raise about China, Russia and China in Bible prophecy. We know that Russia has a part to play. It's described in Ezekiel 38. Some say that China is the force that comes from the east with its 200 million soldiers in the last days. Certainly Russia and China are opposing the Western-led globalist agenda. And they've spoken about their own world order project. And where is it heading to in prophecy? Now, Russia and China, as I said, do appear to be mentioned in prophetic lineup. Not so clear, sure whether the United States is. In fact, some people have said that we can't find United States in prophecy. Whether the United States is Babylon, or the United States is just part of the uh, revived Roman Empire, Western Alliance, possible. But you've got this conflict between these two forces, and I'm one, sort of thinking that one of the things which the Bible says is that in the end, there's going to come a one world united government, which certainly doesn't seem to be on the agenda right now. Now, I'm not saying prophetically how it's going to work out, but one possibility which did occur to me is that the coming Antichrist could offer some kind of a peace settlement, try to bring about an East-West Union out of the possible chaos of economic collapse, both in the West and the East, in order to bring about his one-world government. It's interesting that uh, Mr. Macron uh, at the, I think it was at the, at the G20 actually, but also he said before he wants to link the BRICS and the Western-based global project. He wants to stop the world from breaking into rival blocks, have a one-world block, made overtures to the BRICS, he will sort a peace settlement over Ukraine. Now, if this did include Russia, it, one of the Ten Kings, it could be likely that Russia would then break up the Union and with China come against it. But it looks very unlikely, but is it possible that out of all this conflict, and as people see the potential for massive destruction, they say, let's bring them together. 
let's bring an end to the conflict and let's find some resolution to it. I don't know. I'll just leave that one as open. You also do have the Gog and Magog War to consider in which Russia appears to be the power from the north, leading an invasion of Israel in the last days. I've spoken about this in the past and written an article about it, Russia, Iran, Israel and God, which I can send to you if you want. Generally, I thought that this war could happen before or at the beginning of the tribulation. In other words, it could happen soon. Uh, now, if Russia loses in Ukraine, which they say is possible, then I don't see how it could happen. If Russia turns the table and wins, or if there is some kind of a peace settlement, then it could be that Russia would then build up its strength again and be possible to lead to the, the Gog and Magog war. Other interesting thing which is happening at the present time is that Russia is extending its influence into Africa, uh, including the region around Central Africa, the coups which you've seen in Niger, in Mali, uh, in Burkina Faso recently have all been backed by uh, Prigozhin's Wagner Group for the benefit of Russia. And Russia is actually backing up certain rather tyrannical regimes in Africa for which it's getting paid for with gold and resources from Africa. It's also heavily involved in Sudan and in Libya, both countries in conflict. And if you know your lineup of countries in the war of Gog and Magog, Put and Kush are two countries, Libya and Sudan, probably those two countries. Again, I'm not laying down the law, this is going to happen, but you're seeing alliances building up or falling apart and things moving towards the final conflict. And we certainly live in interesting or perilous times. Just one more issue to look at. What about the climate situation? I spoke about this a couple of weeks ago, so I won't go into it in too great detail. But there is something interesting which happened in this country, which I will tell you about. Uh, as we know, the last, uh, the uh, UN Secretary General Guterres said recently, the era of global warming has ended, the era of global boiling has arrived. The air is unbreathable, the heat is unbearable, the level of fossil fuel profits and climate action is un unacceptable. Climate inaction is unacceptable. It's still possible to limit global temperatures to rise to 1.5 degrees Celsius and avoid the very worst of climate change, but only with dramatic, immediate climate action. He also called for the immediate dismantling of the fossil fuel industry for human survival. As I pointed out in my recent talk on the subject, uh, dismantling, that would involve dismantling industrial societies like our own, including economic collapse, food shortages, possibly social collapse. Large numbers would probably die in the process. Uh, also, some have speculated that they're working on the next pandemic, talking about another COVID crisis or another pandemic, uh, which could cause numbers to die, which may be some people want to happen. Certainly what might happen is that people become colder, poorer, hungrier, unable to travel, and also to express critical views of the governing process, governing powers. You end up with the imposition of a centrally controlled state system with a database, a cashless society, controlling people's ability to buy and sell, to travel, and also to express opinions deemed to be harmful by the powers that be. 
Now, as I said in my previous talk, much of the alarmism, alarmism about around climate change has been shown to be actually unfounded propaganda, including many of the wildfires that have happened recently, particularly the one in Hawaii, with evidence they may have been deliberately caused by arsonists rather than increased temperatures and then attributed to global warming. In fact, there was a scientist, whose name I've forgotten, who just admitted that. He said that actually he'd made up an article which was not true, ascribing all this to climate change, but actually it was due to other factors. Uh, in the Gatestone uh, article, there was an article which said that more than 1,600 scientists, including two Nobel laureates, have signed a declaration saying there's no climate emergency. The declaration is unlikely to get attention from the mainstream media, unfortunately, but it is important for people to know about this. The mass climate hysteria and the destruction of the US economy and the Western economy in the name of climate change need to stop. So, is that possible? Well, it's interesting that on Tuesday, in this country, the UK's energy bill had its third reading and was passed in the House of Commons. Anyone know that? Anybody follow it? Yeah. One, how many people knew about it, by the way? About three. <laughs> okay. Could have a massive effect on your lives in the days to come. Uh, the majority of all parties supported it. A handful of Tories, including Jacob Rees-Mogg, opposed it. So no matter who you voted for, this legislation will stand. Similar bills have been passed in Germany and on its way in the European Union. Now, it may sound innocuous, but according to a video made by David Curtin, who is the leader of the UK Heritage Party, he said, this is a part of the tyranny that is being implemented under the banner of net zero, aiming at energy smart regulations and energy performance regulations. It's the first step on the way to legalizing control of your energy use and ultimately of your property. He said, this is, the government is going to take, try to take your property off you. We'll bring in the World Economic Forum's idea of a mantra of you will own nothing and be happy because it's what the bill does or has the potential to do. So maybe you should pay a bit of attention to it. Uh, just read one or two things which he says. Hopefully you won't find this too technical, but the energy smart regulations are detailed in section 235 of the bill. Section 235 doesn't say anything as it stands but it gives the Secretary of State the power to make regulations about energy smart appliances and apply them to most of the electrical appliances that we use day to day, as well as internal heating. Well as internal heating, not that one. The bill also extends the time that energy companies are allowed to push smart meters onto homes for another five years, gives energy companies targets to get smart meters into every home. That's what they want. Got to have a smart meter in your home. Uh, they want everyone to have a smart meter so someone else can remotely control your electricity and turn it off and on, uh, turn it off and on remotely at a switch. New builds have to comply with a certain level of energy standard. This is it. In the UK, there are already regulations in place that say that all new buildings have to be grade E on the energy use. That's here somewhere. That's telling you how much, how, how far they're advanced on it. They can't be F or G, and they tighten as it goes along. So by 2028, all new buildings will have to be energy grade C, up to here. 
ultimately what they want by 2050 is to make everything grade A. Grade A means that all buildings are net zero. Apparently, they don't emit any carbon dioxide, either in the construction or as the people use the building. The bill gives the Secretary of State for Energy and Climate Change the power to introduce energy performance regulations to comply with net zero. Also says that energy performance regulations may provide for the creation of criminal offences with up to one year in prison or a 15,000 pine or both if your home or a building that you own does not comply with any future home energy performance regulations. At the moment, Curtin explained they're only requiring new buildings to comply, but as they're doing in the European Union, they will go back in time. Then they will say, well, not just new builds, but any existing building has to be brought up to a certain standard. So if you have an old building, there's F or G down here on the bottom, you have to bring it up to E standard at least. Then they're going to say now for net zero, we need to make sure all buildings are C. Eventually everything will have to be brought up to A standard, which is impossible with older buildings. We know that in some places, councils have plans to knock down dozens or even hundreds of old buildings because they don't comply with net zero. What they're doing is just letting them rot. They're moving people out of them. They're running them down. They're letting old buildings decay. Then they're declaring them unsafe and the plan is to knock them down. Curtin warned, if you don't have the money to improve your home, particularly older buildings, whatever energy standards they dictate, at the time, they will say that you cannot sell your home <coughs> or rent your home because it does not meet the energy standards. You'll also have to pay a fine. You may have to go to prison. Then they'll offer you a way out. The government will offer to buy your home from you. Then they will make the necessary improvements. Hmm. Is that alarmist or is it true? I don't know. I'm just quoting what the man says. But it does kind of make you a little bit anxious about some of the things which they're applying. And one thing they're doing, they make these laws, and the laws can't be undone. They're continuous. They've got to be applied to future governments. So future governments can't change the laws. They're there on the statute book. And I would say it's just one more plank on the way to the control of a world government system. It's actually also crazy, and it's mad, because it won't make any difference to the weather. I can tell you that for sure but it will bankrupt the people and the state. Then they'll come in with central bank digital currencies, put everyone under a kind of house arrest in 15-minute cities, while they work out how to control us. Maybe in the process, after the next pandemic, they'll also see a uh, cull in the population, which will make it easier for them to sort out the accommodation problem. Then the Antichrist takes over and people are cowed into submission. Now, that sounds a bit cynical, but... It also seems to me it's quite possible that that's where it's going. What they're doing, they set in motion a legal system for control which you won't be able to get out of. And it's not just here, it's also, as I said, it's happened in Germany, it's part of the European Union, in the United States they're bringing it in as well. Not in India and China, by the way, because they can burn as much fossil fuel as they like. <laughs> which is another reason why it won't make any difference to the weather, even if burning fossil fuels is the problem, which it may not be. Anyway, what it is, it's a good way to move towards some kind of global government. And you find that not only politicians, but also even religious people are saying that that's what we need. Interestingly, the Pope wrote in 
2015, actually, yeah, cyclically. <coughs> he said, international negotiations cannot make significant progress due to positions taken by countries <coughs> which place their national interests above the common good. He called for the nations of the world to set up, quote, global regulatory norms to impose obligations and prevent unacceptable actions. There's an urgent need for a true political world authority, one authoritative voice of oversight and coordination, which lays down rules for admissible conduct in the light of common good. I think that's on its way, actually. That's why it's not going to make any much difference if you vote Labour, Liberal or Conservative in the next election, because they're all actually under the same programme. Which is bad news. It also means that Jesus is coming. <laughs> so the only answer to this is actually to get ready to meet with Jesus. Yes. Uh, I would like to be able to stop all this and we should actually resist it as far as we can. But one has to acknowledge that basically there are bigger powers than us who are behind all of this. But we have a bigger power on our side who is Jesus Christ. And according to the Bible, as I said earlier on, eventually this whole system is going to crash down and be destroyed. The Bible actually describes it as becoming a habitation of demons. And you see that behind it there is a demonic program which is involving both East and West. Uh, note actually that all those countries in the BRICS alliance have become increasingly anti-Christian and persecuting Christians. Recently we're seeing in the Western part of the world we see a growing opposition to Christianity. Including, by the way, India. India we thought of as a democratic country. Uh, pluralistic Christians are being persecuted big time in India now by the Hindus and the government's doing nothing to stop it. China, of course, well into persecution of Christians. Russia, also suppression of real Christianity. And we're seeing in the West a growing anti-Christian movement. So what do we do? We panic and give up? No, we look up, lift up our heads because our redemption is drawing near. And we look to Jesus who's coming back again. Praise the Lord. There is a hope in the intervention of God in the second coming of Jesus. As I said at the beginning, there is something going to happen in our world which will be so out of this world that it will be almost unbelievable. But it is believable because it's there in the word of God. Jesus Christ is going to come back this time, not as the suffering servant to suffer and to die, but coming this time as King of Kings and Lord of Lords to sort out the mess which humans have made of the world he gave us to look after. And he gave us a parable which tells us to be ready, be ready for his return. Parable of the wise and the foolish virgins. Then the kingdom of heaven should be likened to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Now five of them were wise and five were foolish. Those who were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. But while the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight a cry was heard, Behold, the bridegroom is coming, go out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, No, lest there should be not enough for us and you, but go rather to those who sell and buy for yourselves. While they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding, and the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, I do not know you. Watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. So the bridegroom is coming. That's Jesus. The bride is the bride. 
the believing church. And we're told to be ready for his coming at any time. I think the any time coming does prefer the pre-tribulation rapture because if it's before the rapture, Jesus could come at any time. If it's at the end of the end of the tribulation, if it's before the tribulation, Jesus come at any time. If it's the end of the tribulation, then certain events have to happen and he couldn't have at any time. But we will see what happens with that. Whatever it says that the wise virgins have oil in their lamps, the unwise have no oil. Now, oil, of course, is a representation of the Holy Spirit. So the wise have the Holy Spirit in our lives, born again of the Spirit, filled with the Holy Spirit. No oil, no Holy Spirit. Either nominal Christians or just unbelievers. Whoever they are, they're not ready. And the Lord will know who to take and who to leave by the presence of the Holy Spirit in the lives of his people. It says here his coming will be unexpected. In fact, at the moment, they're all asleep. Uh, physically, when the cry comes at midnight. But the wise are already prepared for him to come at any time. Even if they're asleep physically, they're ready. Now, interestingly, the wise have the oil and the unwise do not have the oil and the unwise come to the wise and ask them to give them some oil. But the wise can't sell their oil to the foolish. Tell them it can only be bought from the one who dispenses it. That's God. So we have the Holy Spirit, but I can't give the Holy Spirit to somebody else. They have to ask for it themselves. What we can do is tell people how to find the Holy Spirit and how to be filled with the Holy Spirit through repentance and faith in Jesus and to be asking to fill his life with the Holy Spirit, but we can't actually perform the job ourselves. Only God can do it. That's the point of this story here. Believers can't give the Holy Spirit to unbelievers. Only those one who dispenses it can. That's the Lord himself. He gives the Holy Spirit to all who call upon him for salvation. Which means that the major provision for being ready to meet the Lord is to receive the Holy Spirit and to be born again of the Holy Spirit by believing in Jesus. I hope all of you are. If you're not, now's the day of salvation and call on the name of the Lord and receive him as your personal saviour. It does connect to the passage which you read in the beginning where it says then two men will be in the field, one will be taken, the other left. Two women will be grinding at the mill, one will be taken, the other left. Watch therefore you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore you also be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. One taken, one left. Be ready. The one taken are those who are taken to be with the Lord at the time of the rapture of the church. When Jesus comes, fulfillment of this scripture, 1 Thessalonians 4 and other passages, I would say that the ones who are most likely to be ready are those who are watching and waiting for the Lord's return and who are aware of the signs. Because they know, when you see these things beginning to happen, that Jesus is coming. I'm giving you, that's why I give you some of the signs, so that you can recognize that these things happening are not just accidents, they're preparations for the coming of the Lord. So what we should do is to respond by accepting Jesus. These signs are also signs of the coming of the Antichrist. These things happening are preparing the way for the coming of the Antichrist with a false solution to the problems of the world. 
And the people of the world who reject Jesus are going to go and accept the Antichrist. What it says in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. So it's very important that you accept Jesus and believe in him because when the Antichrist comes, he's going to come with a strong delusion which would cause people to believe the lie because they refuse to repent. That's why we must respond now by accepting Jesus as saviour. So turn to Jesus Christ, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you shall be saved. has to say that much of the church today is not doing so and is even being deceived, part of it, by the spirit of Antichrist. And will end up as foolish virgins with no oil in their lamps and when Jesus comes they'll be shut out. I don't want that to happen to anybody listening to me, so make sure that you're ready and when Jesus comes you'll open the door and say, come in. Come into the feast, the feast and be with me forever and ever. And that's what I'm looking forward to. Be great. <laughs> and whatever bad stuff is happening down here will just pan into insignificance when we get to be with the Lord. We'll even forget all about it. <laughs> uh, and we'll have a glorious future uh, which will go on forever and ever. First, I think we'll be part of the time when Jesus rules on the earth and puts right all the problems which Babylon has created. And he will then wrap up the present world and create a new heavens and a new earth which is righteousness, which will be with him forever and ever. So, when you see these things beginning to happen, don't panic. Look up, lift up your heads. Your redemption draws near. Jesus is coming. Amen. Let's just have a word of prayer. Lord, we thank you for the promises in your word. May each one of us be ready for your return by committing our lives to Jesus. As we see the signs, we don't know how long we have, but we know that the signs are pointing us to the end times and the return of Jesus. Pray, Lord, for all the people who are under tyrannical regimes, persecuted Christians, those who are suffering because of wars and famines and all the disasters which are happening in the world. And we pray also that you will save many, snatch them out of the fire and save souls in these last days, we pray. In Jesus' name and for his praise and glory. Amen.